everybody. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm glad you're here. Uh, Listen, I know some of you guys walked in today and you reluctantly, because you're trying to like make good decisions and uh, you know all of that stuff, you're trying to do a little better in your, uh, your decision making, so you just said no thank you to some pretty good uh, Christmas cakes. I need you to know, um, we mentioned this last week, if you're in Shelby County and you would like to like have these for yourself or for your family, about the only place you're going to find them is at Cultivate Church on Sunday. We buy them all up all month long. Uh, so here's what I need you to do. Is maybe you came in today. Come on, if you're here and you go, I, I, need, I really, I, I'm, I'm, I regret, I, I, really, I really need um, some cakes. Come on, anybody, anybody right there. There you go. There you go. Listen, we've prayed over these. Come on, I, I see... Somebody's not raising their hand, but they, I saw it on their eyes. There you go. Um, there you go, right there. I almost made it. Uh, we tell you guys this week, and I, I'm telling you, we've, we've prayed over these. There's no calories for them in church, all right? Uh, they're no carb, high, high protein. What you do outside of these walls is your prayer life, okay? All right, that's on y'all, okay? Uh, but we, listen, we like to have fun uh, at, at Cultivate, and we just believe that God's got a sense of humor. Um, you know, some of us, we can see it like we know he does. Um, and, and, and every week this month, man, there's just lots of fun happening. We love Christmas season. We love uh, the Christmas story. We love all of the things that go with Christmas. And part of that is some pretty awesome Christmas cakes. Now, I know, I was telling somebody earlier today, there's the tray out in the lobby, and there's all kinds of different ones. And you know, you can tell a lot about a person based on the kind of Debbie cake they eat. You know what I mean? Some of y'all were getting them, uh, them weird looking brownies. And I'm just telling you, I got my eyes on you. Um, you know, you can trust somebody like those people, like you can a cat person. <laughs> you can't. Um, in case you didn't know, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Cat people kind of. All right. Pull out your notes. Go ahead and pull them out. Uh, today, we're in week two of a series we've titled Sweet Baby Jesus. Now, I know um, if you live in the South and um, you, your head's not in the sand, you, you see that title and it immediately takes you back, right, uh, to, uh, to a movie. And I was telling, I told you guys last week, one of the worst decisions I ever made when I was in youth ministry was Brandon Matthews and I took about 75 kids in the back of vehicles to a drive-in movie to watch Talladega Nights. We didn't know. <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, but today, I want we, we, the title of your message is Mary Had a Little Lamb. Last week, we kicked off the series last week, and we talked about uh, how Jesus gets it. He gets us. He understands you and me. If you're like me, many of you, like, like we know that nobody's perfect and all of us have walked through some really difficult things in our lives. If we could all sit down and swap stories, some of us, like, you know, it, we'd be one up in each other on all the bad decisions we've made in our life and the things that we've walked through. And some of us, just bad circumstances that aren't decisions necessarily that we made, but we find ourselves in them. And uh, why would God, of all the ways that he could have rescued mankind, I mean, y'all know he's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's God. He could have done it anyway, any way he chose. Why would he have done it in the form of a little sweet baby born to a nobody family from the backside of Nazareth? Somebody said in the New Testament, Nathaniel, somebody said, hey, hey, we found the Messiah. It's him. It's Jesus from Nazareth. And he went, Nazareth? The heck comes from Nazareth, right? Like nobody good comes from there. There's no way that could be the Messiah. We've, we've, like, why would he have chosen that? To be born into poverty, 
to have to struggle all of his life. Well, last week, week number one, we said because he, we reminded ourselves from Hebrews chapter 4, this high priest that we have is not somebody who can't sympathize and empathize with our every weakness. Come on, isn't that good news for somebody today? Aren't you glad that we've got a Savior that knows and empathizes and understands everything that we have gone through in our lives? He gets it. He understands it. And so that we can come into places like this and we can spend time in the presence of God and understand and worship who God is, not somebody who's so far out of touch. Last week we talked about how uh, every other faith, every other uh, religion, every other faith base in the world, uh, the deity that they would worship, all, all of them say, you've got to figure out some way to make yourself good enough to get to them. Only God, only Jesus, only God said they're not good enough. There's no way they can be, so I'll just go to them. That's good news for you and for me today because I know if, uh, if you're anything like I am, um, ain't no way you're ever going to be good enough. Right? We are all broken, messed up people in need of a Savior. So I just want to um, uh, release you today. Maybe you walked in here a little nervous because uh, maybe this is your first church experience in a while. And maybe you walked in here going, man, I don't know. Uh, listen, there is nothing different about you or anybody else in this world. We are all, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God and need a Savior. And his name is Jesus. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like. Jesus, like Mary had a little lamb. Matthew chapter 1 is our theme verse. Uh, we, we, we remember the... the Matthew 1, Luke 2, the, the, the two Christmas narratives in the Gospels, the angel comes to Mary, uh, tells her what's about to happen. You're about to conceive a child from the Holy Spirit. He's going to save the world from their sins. She goes on to tell her fiance that because, hey, surprise, I'm pregnant. It's not what it looks like. It's of the Holy Spirit. Y'all know Joseph was like, hmm, you would have been too. And so it says, while he was considering this, while he was thinking about all of this news, he was going to put her away silently. He was going to divorce her. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's telling the truth, he said. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He reminded him, Joseph, man, she's telling the truth. You guys have this remarkable responsibility to now raise the Son of God. Think about that responsibility, right? And so, so not only is he, not, he, he this is far greater than a, just a great prophet. He is the Messiah, the Son of God, will rescue people from their sins. We read a story this past week as we were preparing of a, of a classroom who, who uh, made an assignment for their kids in elementary school. And they said, write on the paper what Christmas means to you. I want you to make a drawing and draw it out. And, and a lot of kids drew like Santa Claus and presents and gifts. And some of them drew family members. And uh, one little girl wrote at the top of her page, Mary had a little lamb. And uh, she drew Jesus right there and Mary with a little lamb next beside, uh, right, right next to her. And, and all the kids in the, in the classroom were like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Dumb nursery rhyme. And, uh, and then the, they gathered them all together and they, the teacher began to explain to the class that really she understood more than anybody, right? Uh, Jesus wasn't just a sweet little baby wrapped in a manger. Jesus came as a sacrifice, 
He, he entered the world as a lamb, the Bible says, uh, being led to the slaughter. Jesus was this great sacrifice. Revelation 13 and 8 says he was a lamb to be slaughtered before the world was even made, before the beginning of time. This baby was always born a lamb to be sacrificed. That was the whole purpose. This, his little hands were made for nails. His little feet were made for carrying the cross. His little body, y'all, was made to be beaten. It, his little head was made, fashioned to wear a crown of thorns. Put that in perspective for a moment. Jesus enters the world, and from the day he's born, he has intimate knowledge of something that's going to happen in roughly about 30 years. Horrific, but that it will save the world from their sins. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? The, believe it or not, the, the Christmas story doesn't actually begin in Isaiah chapter 9. It doesn't really begin in uh, the, the narrative of the Gospels uh, in Matthew chapter 1 and uh, Luke chapter 2. That's really not the beginning of the Christmas story. It's where we historically kind of lay it out and begin to look at it. Uh, really, it begins at the beginning of time. And there's an incredible conversation between Jesus and the Father recorded in Hebrews. And I want to read it. It's in Hebrews chapter 10. It'll be on the screens. It says, For it was not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, here's the conversation. Hey, you didn't want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. But you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other sins, uh, other offerings for sin. Verse 7. Then I said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. So from the very beginning, Jesus is there. God is there. Holy Spirit is there. There's this conversation going on in heaven. And God is, Jesus is looking up and he's realizing the system's not working from the foundations of the world. They knew that it would be a moment in which Jesus would take off his deity and he would become, humble himself, even to the point of death, the Bible says, for you and for me. And so, really... What we think of as a Christmas story, maybe you've thought of this most of your life as this like perfect little story kind of wrapped in a bow and like we've seen all of the Christmas cantatas. Anybody else uh, in Christmas plays growing up? Come on, I was, I was forced to be a shepherd. And when I say forced, y'all, I mean they had to shackle me. I, I mean I didn't, uh, but like, like we've done all of those things and it was this beautiful story that we like to portray because that's humanity. That's all of us. We love to hide the ugly in our lives. And we've done that with the Christmas story over hundreds and hundreds of years. We, we love Instagram because on Instagram we can, we can make whatever's, whatever it is, we can filter it up and make it look better. And we can make ourselves feel better and look better. And really the Christmas story has kind of been doctored up like that over the years. But as we talked about last week, the Christmas story, was, it's, it's really a war story. It's really a rescue story. Jesus steps into time, and he begins a battle for our souls. And I love, I'm going to share with you three things from Hebrews that I think Jesus, the why behind it, how he did it. So let's pray, and we'll dive in. Father, thank you for your word today. Oh, thank you that it's alive and breathing, and it's for us. 
You tell us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that it corrects us, inspires us, shapes us, molds us, and ultimately, it equips us for every good work. And so today, I pray that this is not just something to mark off of the list of our lives today. I pray that we meet with the power of the Holy Spirit, that you meet every person where they are in life today, and that life change happens, that we walk out of here having met with you, inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, if you're uh, taking notes, and I hope you are, Jesus came, number one, knowingly. He knew it. He knew what was going on. There was no bait and swap for Jesus. He understood it. Remember, let's read it again, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You didn't want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. So since the beginning of time, Jesus had watched sin grow and destroy his father's creation. Think about it. Being, uh, the Bible says that he was with God. The word was God. He was with God. In the beginning, it was the word that spoke existence. And so the, the, the earth was formless and without void. And, and Jesus uh, spoke it. God spoke it into existence. And it said there was no light. And he said, let there be light. And he created everything in the world. And y'all know what he said. If, if, if you've read it, he said, look over after he had created everything. He looked it over and he said, it is good. It's good. And then he creates man and woman and they places them in the garden and he says, it is very good. And it was perfect. Perfection. And then disobedience enters the world and wrecks it. Just messes it all up. Sin enters the world and Jesus begins to see all of it happen. He watched the sacrifices take place, but ultimately they didn't work. And ultimately knew Jesus understood that it was his destiny to be the sacrifice for the redemption of our sins. The Bible teaches us that God is a spirit, so there's no body, right? So he gives Jesus a body and he acknowledges him. That God, you gave me a body for this purpose, to sacrifice myself for the sins of the world. Now, all of us have probably gone through things in our lives in which you thought, had I known it was going to take this, I probably wouldn't have done it. Anybody been there? Had I known I was going to have to go through that, I'd have probably said no. Jesus knew everything he was going to walk through. He understood every step of the way. Many of you have heard of uh, Natalie Holloway and the circumstance that happened with her, and it's been resurfaced again just this year, uh, the disappearance of her 18-year-old daughter, Natalie, uh, uh, from Alabama, made worldwide headlines. Her mother fought, y'all, for 18 years to find the truth of what was finally uncovered this year. Listen to what she said about it as they interviewed her. She said that if she had known all these years ago that it would have taken this long, she probably wouldn't have made it. She'd have probably given up. However, she said, it just it took day by day. Hope, a little glimpse of hope, day by day to keep going. I want to put this in perspective. Jesus knew the very moment that he was going to die. He knew the very way that he was going to die. He was all God and all man. He knew that he was going to go to the cross and they were going to beat him and ridicule him, and that he was going to wear that crown of thorns, and he was going to die what history tells us, even today, historically, one of the top like three most horrific ways for humans to die, 
Jesus died that way. He knew it. Every day of his life, he woke up a day closer to what he knew was going to be a horrific death. For you and for me. He understood, uh, just like Judas, he understood that Judas was going to betray him, and yet he was going to the cross for him as well. He understood that Brandon Doss was going to live his life, uh, most likely intentionally, thousands of times over the course of my life, in disobedience to the truth of God's word, and disobedience to the Father, separating myself from him, requiring that. And y'all, he did it anyway, knowingly. Ahead of time, Jesus went into this world and started his journey to the cross. That's Christmas, knowingly. Number two, number two, he did it willingly. I love that because I'm going to tell you, ain't none of us got that kind of love for anybody. We all love con- with contingencies, don't we? Like the Bible says that we, by Jesus, like, through, like God loves us unconditionally. Like there's not a condition that's placed on it. He says it this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. Then I said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. Now, I, want you to, I don't want us to think that he was just all like joy, like excited about this, okay? Like it's not like he was like pumped that, hey, Brandon, you're so stupid. <laughs> like, like he doesn't just like look at that and like jokingly like, but I'm going to go to the cross. No, no, no. He was actually the night before he died. He was warring with it. The Bible says that they, he fed his disciples a meal and they, 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 they shared the Lord's Supper together. And then they went to the garden to pray. And y'all know what he said? He went to the garden and he, said he was full, so full of anxiety over our sin. So full of anxiety over the, the, the thing that he was about to have to do. That he said, Father, I don't want to do this. But not my will, your will be done. If you want it, I'm willing. And he walked in obedience to him. There was no condition that could have stopped him. I love Romans. We said it a moment ago. There's nothing in this world that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We don't, it's hard for us to grasp that because we, we love conditionally. Brandon told me a story about his son Asher uh, this past week. He said that Asher told his mom and dad one day that he looked at him and said, Mom, Dad, I'd take a bullet for you. I thought, man, what y'all, what y'all willing him watch? <laughs> Seven, taking bullets for people. He said, but Brandon said, but he looked, uh, they've got a little French bulldog uh, named Chief, and he looked at Chief, he said, but I ain't taking no bullet for him. <laughs> he had some contingencies on that love, right? Uh, and you might would even say there are people in your life that you would go, yeah, I might would do something, for, I might would take a bullet for them, but... I ain't taking a bullet for them. You know what I mean? Like there are people in your life that have hurt you or wounded you or done something in which you just go, I I can't fathom the kind of love that God has for those people. Maybe you've seen people in the news or you've seen people uh, walk in some sort of sin or make some sort of bad decision and you've probably thought in your mind, "How how could they be? I want you to know today, all, everybody say all, one, two, three. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus willingly went to the cross for all of us. Maybe you're here today and you've walked in the room and said, yeah, man, but you don't know the decisions I've made. You don't know how many times I've tried myself and screwed it up and fallen back again. 
There's no way he would rescue me. There's no way he would forgive me. Yes, he willingly did this for you and for me. I heard a story this uh, past week about a chicken and a pig. Uh, and they're walking down the road, and they go by this grocery store that said, we desperately need eggs and bacon. <laughs> and that chicken looked at the pig and said, I'll give some eggs if you'll get some bacon. And that pig said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Your eggs are just a contribution, <laughs> right? If I give bacon, it's going to be my life. And there's a difference, right, between a small contribution and a sacrifice. Jesus gave his life, right? Jesus gave the bacon, y'all. Like he gave it all. John 15 and 13 says this way. says that greater love has no man than he that would lay down his life for one's friends. See, Jesus willingly laid it down, came into the world. That's the Christmas story, y'all. It's a, it's a rescue story. Number three, last thing I'll share with you is this. He came powerfully. Hebrews 10 and 18, and when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. I love that, problem, that planning meeting in heaven, like when God began to like orchestrate this plan. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all there. And, and he says, Jesus, you got to go. You're going to have to go. It's going to require you. Um, you're going to have to go sacrifice yourself. But here's the good news. It's once for all and once for all time. It's for everybody and for everything. And so that means there's nothing you could do in your life that would separate you from the grace of God that's already covered your life. You say, yeah, but what if I do this tomorrow? It don't matter what you do tomorrow. Can I tell you, it didn't matter what you did last night. God's love is far greater than anything we could think or imagine in our lives. And I want you to know today, maybe you have felt not good enough or not worthy enough. None of us are worthy enough. But through the blood of Jesus, we're worthy to receive the grace of God. So he did it powerfully in such a way that there is nothing in this world now because of him that could ever separate us from eternity with our Savior. Come on, y'all. That's good news for you and for me. So we often continue to think that like Jesus was this sweet little baby Jesus, mild and weak. However, y'all, he wasn't he wasn't weak. That little infant wasn't weak. That 12-year-old that got lost. Remember, my think about losing the Son of God, right? Like that, that, He wasn't weak. He was never weak. He was always strong and brave and determined and smart. And the Bible says he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor and carried the wisdom of God with him. Think about knowing the exact way things would be done in your life and doing it anyway. It's powerful. It's powerful. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're here today and maybe maybe you've believed the lie of the enemy in your life. Maybe you've believed this lie that man, if those people, if, if, if anybody knew who you really were, what really goes on in that mind of yours? If they really knew the decisions you've made in your life, there's no way 
you'd be accepted. Well, I got good news for you. It ain't got nothing to do with people accepting you. It has everything to do with already being accepted by God. You see, God knew from the foundations of the world every stupid, dumb, bad decision I would make in my life. And he knew yours too. He knew that you would struggle with addiction and you would try and try and try and try and try. And every time you tried, you would fail again and fail again and fail again and fail again. And he said, I love them anyways. I'm not going to give up on them. He knew that he knew that your marriage would struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle and, and you wouldn't know what to do or where to go or how to do it. And he would say, I, I love them anyways. I'm going to go anyways. He understood that you would willingly and sometimes purposely uh, disobey the truth of God's word, separating yourself from the presence of God. And he understood the assignment that meant I have to go because of that. He knew our stuff. It's why he went. It's why. You see, it's not like humanity. Sometimes we learn some stuff and we kind of turn away. God runs to it. He runs to it. And so maybe you're here today and, and you've, you've just been walking around with some shame and some guilt and some hurt and some anxiety over the life that you've lived and the things that you've done. I want to set you free today. The Bible says that there's a God in heaven that loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. And that there's nothing you could do, again, to separate yourself from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that all of us have fallen short of the, of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternity through Christ Jesus. And he gives us a simple road back, a simple map. He said, if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus came into this world and lived a perfect sinless life and died on a cross on your behalf and mine, coming back to life, he conquered death, hell, and the grave. If you'll confess that in your, with your mouth and believe that in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. What does that mean, saved? It means we're going to be saved from the wrath to come. We're saved from the decisions we've made. Y'all, we're saved from the decisions we made past, present, and future. That you are secured in the hand of God. Come on, isn't that good news today? Maybe you're here today and that's you. You go, man, I need Jesus. You don't understand how bad I need. I understand. I do. I get it. And you would simply say this right where you are. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry I've done it in my own strength and my own ability. I'm so sorry that I've lived my life in my own preconceived ideas. And today I recognize through your word that I need a Savior. That Jesus, you came to the cross knowingly. You understood it. You get it. And you were still willing to do it. And it brought the power of the Holy Spirit to this earth and in my life. And so I pray that you would forgive me. I commit my life to you. I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as Lord of my life. Thank you for salvation. And Father, I pray for the rest of my friends today, my family. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would, God, work through us and in us. God, that we would walk out of these doors having met with your presence, that we would be inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you, that you alone would get all of the glory and all of the honor out of our lives. Thank you, Father, for the rescue story that we call Christmas. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, 
amen. Come on, church. Can you honor Jesus today? Come on. He's worthy.